We check in on the defensive install with Ashante Seastrunk to find out how this Pete Golding situation is going. And also, big day for Ole Miss men's basketball. We'll tell you exactly how right after this. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, and also, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your show of choice in the morning. It's your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Thank you very much for that. So, we've spent a lot of time talking about the offense and the quarterback competition, obviously. I mean, we've spent a good portion of the first four days of practice talking about that. Today, I kind of want to talk about the defensive install. Ashanti Seastrunk's press conference is a little bit going to be on here as well. Um, and he'll talk about what the defense is doing, the uh, the new addition of Pete Golding, who apparently is a Tasmanian devil out on the football field. He appears to be somebody that is um, actually quite real. Hopefully, like Dalen Flowers, when he goes to practice Saturday, he can put eyes on that so we can get an idea of exactly where they're coming from. The base is a 4-2-5 defense. That's what they're calling it. But it's really an over and under defense based off what they do with the jack position. It could be a defensive end. It could be a linebacker. It all depends on what that does. That hybrid position is going to be extremely key in this defense. So when you look at that, if it's 4-2-5, you have to think what's going to go in that Husky position. Is it going to be somebody like Ladarius Tennyson, like Aishim Young, somebody like that? Or will they take Santarian Perkins and move him out there and honestly just recreate what Tony Connor did in 2013, 2014? I'm not 100% sure. I'm looking forward to laying eyes on it myself when the spring practice, the spring game happens. I would say when spring practice ends, but the game is like three practices before the end. Um, so during the spring game, I want to lay eyes on exactly what is happening. Um We've talked about the quarterbacks, like I said, ad nauseum. It's a big deal. But defensively, how good this football team is going to be is going to be dependent on exactly what they get at them. If it's a majorly good year for the Ole Miss defense, it's the team that can win more games than you're thinking they're able to. I mean, we're, we're obviously going to be underdogs at Alabama and at Georgia. I'm not saying we're not. But those swing games that we're thinking now might end up being W column games and the swing games are actually a little bit higher up in the pecking order. And it's all going to depend on this defense. Can Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste and Monty Montgomery and Kari Coleman and Ashanti Seastrunk make plays necessary to get possessions for this offensive team? Because this offensive team, as we talked about this yesterday, this has a chance to be really, really good. Lane Kiffin talked about in spring that one place he wanted to get depth on is at the running back position. There's a little help coming with Kedra Criscano because basically you need three running backs to really, in this offense, feel safe. I mean, that's what we've done, like Snoop Connor, Jerry and Ely, and Henry Parrish. Ever since Lane Kiffin has been here, has essentially been three backs. Last year, they got, you know, Quinshawn took a, a hefty load because Zach Evans couldn't stay on the field. Ulysses Bentley was hurt quite a bit, and that kind of affected things as well. So we'll see exactly what they're able to do. But first, let's hear from Ashanti Seastrong to what he thinks about 
this Ole Miss Rebel defensive team? Uh, these first four practices, it's been pretty easy, but it is a lot to learn, you know. And it's a big change from 3-4 to 4-2, you know. So we slowly getting that, but we're making progress day by day. Basically, we all just, you know, getting together, um, learning from each other, you know, trying to just see, like, learn each other's strengths and weaknesses and just bond, really. <laughs> uh, the next step for me is definitely getting this defense down, like, all the way to the T. I know the ins and out, and just dominating. Man, it's it's a crazy competition going on, and, like, all of them are good. All of them are dominant up, making great plays, and it's just – it's just fun to watch now. All right, that was Ashante Seastrunk talking about the defensive install um, this spring. He kind of lit up a little bit when he mentioned Pete Golding. You, you, I think you can tell these defensive players really like him, and it will be interesting to see because that is going to help them in the install of this defense. It's actually going to be very important for this Ole Miss Rebel football team. We'll see exactly how they do moving forward. I, I'm pretty excited about it. So, should be really, really fun on the defensive side of the ball. Now, John Saunders is also making plays in the back end of the defense. You're hearing his name, son. Some J.J. Pegues. Kari Coleman at linebacker is in the two-deep rotation at the moment. The defensive lineman seems to be a little bit thin at the moment. I, I'm not exactly 100% sure what's going to happen. We've given you a two-deep over the last couple of months. I don't know with Tawan Malone and certain players being out that that is being problematic, but we'll see exactly how that goes. Once the reinforcements get here in May and in the um, portal, Ole Miss has a chance to take another step defensively. Remember, it, Jack, I think his name is um, Jameer Lewis, the kid out of Southwestern Community College. He is the only Jack that Ole Miss has on their roster at the moment. We are waiting on DJ Holmes. We are waiting on Chamberlain Campbell to get on campus just to provide depth at that position. You're not hearing about other players playing that position. You're hearing about him, which means they're pretty much set with going with a young guy this year, I think, because there's a certain type of player that they are looking looking to get, if that makes sense at all. And it's just something to keep an eye on. It'll be something to see exactly what happens as well. Today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, okay? The tournament is heating up, and there's no other place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That is because now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today and claim your no-sweat-first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads, which teams will be cutting down the nets, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And I realize in Mississippi you have to use a brick-and-mortar casino, but if you're going to Jackson, Tennessee, Memphis, road trip to Nashville, heading down to Delta, Louisiana, Shreveport, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, FanDuel is an option for you. Like I said, it's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out on your shot at a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Ole Miss is relevant on that show now. 
I don't know if they're talking about it, but if they are, Ole Miss is relevant on that show. So, Matthew Morrell yesterday, uh, I think it was the Go Tigers 24-7 person tweeted out that Matthew Morrell was returning to Ole Miss. He had overtures um, from Kansas. He had overtures, obviously, from Memphis, and he's obviously a Memphis kid, but he's staying at Ole Miss. Big win for Chris Beard. Today, it come out just a few minutes ago that Jamin Brakefield is doing the same. He is staying in school at Ole Miss as well. Going to pull out of the transfer portal, I guess, and do exactly what he wants to do. Now, this is absolutely huge for Chris Beard as a program builder. Somebody that roster building is going to be very important. T.J. Caldwell, obviously already coming back. That's three really good players and a nucleus that you can build off of for 2023-2024. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what they can do. Now, we haven't heard for sure about Amari Abram. I know they're recruiting him to try and get him back. I haven't heard about James White. I know they're recruiting him, trying to get him back. But we'll see. I haven't heard anything on Malik Ewan. I haven't heard anything really on Deshaun Ruffin. Haven't really heard that much on many other players. The Gazzo kid that Ole Miss signed, he's locked in. The kid from Arkansas, like um, Rashad something, he, he's it. Recruiting class, they were fine except for the kid from MRI. So that's just a background of what exactly has happened. Now, Ole Miss is in the process right now of not only recruiting the portal, but trying to put together a staff. And there's rumors that were put out, I think, on On3 by Zach Berry of Wes Flanagan, um, at least meeting with Chris Beard. Now, Wes Flanagan could have just been meeting with Chris Beard because they were old friends back from their Little Rock days. Okay? But this could have more to it. So, if Wes Flanagan, which would be a very good move coming on board to the Ole Miss program, Auburn is going through several kids leaving for the portal and um, Flanagan's son plays for the Auburn Tigers. Flanagan, of course, is the brother of Jason Flanagan, who played at Ole Miss in the late 90s, early 2000s under Rob Evans and Rod Barnes, I believe. He coaches down at Holmes County Community College at the moment. So it feels like the stars are aligning. Now, I've had people tell me different things everywhere, and that's the amazing thing about this job you basically come in with a few sources, a few places that you can hear things. But over time, it just builds up and up and up. And now I'm getting DMs that I'm having to verify who they are because they just want to relay what they know. And it's really cool. I'm very appreciative of all of that. Um, don't, don't hear me that I'm not, but I'm just not in the breaking news game. We're about commentary and perspectives on this channel. We'll tell you bits of information. If I hear anything, I will let you know. But um, we're not trying to be first. We're never trying to be first. I think trying to be first is what the mainstream media does and why it can be problematic at times. It's why people are so against the media at the moment is the way that culture works. We want to be the anti that. We want to be different from that. If they want to be first, let them. I, I, I genuinely don't care if anybody breaks a story. In fact, I genuinely don't think I have any competition. Because if you look at this, this is by far the nicest looking show on Ole Miss Athletics. And we have we try to have fun. We talk about relevant issues. And, you know, we have really cool guests that are also fans. Now, we also have people like Kelvin Bolden a couple of days. We had 
um, Jim Cross yesterday. So our guest level, we're get raising that as well as Lockdown Ole Miss 3.0 is well underway. But this year is going to be fun. This year is going to be fantastic. This year is going to be great at Locked On. I'm looking so forward to it because basketball has become something that I need to pay attention to. I need to force myself to pay attention to it because it's not something that as an Ole Miss fan, I generally do. For the longest time as an Ole Miss fan, you'd watch, and if the Ole Miss team was good, you would pay attention. If it's not, you would just, hey, wait till baseball season. That, that was kind of the cycle of Ole Miss fandom. I've talked about this all during the Chris Beard thing. I talked about this all the way through this rising up. This is a new era of Ole Miss basketball. Now, we talked about, I think, Wes Flanagan, who coached with Chris Beard in Little Rock. And his son does play on the, the team. It would be really cool if Flanagan went to Ole Miss and his son came with him. Now, um... The son, I think, is a senior, Alan Flanagan. Played about 30 minutes a night for the Auburn Tigers. He's a three-year starter. Good basketball player. Really good basketball player. And it would be just really interesting to me if he actually came over and his dad came over and they kind of were the first step in this transfer portal cog. Be interesting to see. Like I said, I've got people all over telling me things. There's certain things that they don't want out. There's certain things that we're not quite at a point where we can talk about. But, I mean, everybody has tidbits of information. It's really cool. I actually get more information now than um, back when I was on the boards at Ole Miss so many times, so, so often. It's, it's, it's crazy. Now I'm hardly on the boards. Um, but... Yeah, it's because so much is just basically feeding me information. It's 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 actually really cool, and thank you for that. I'm I'm a big fan of that. Also, join our subtext community. The link is down in the description. If we do get any information, if they have any relevant tidbits of information, we will put it in there first, or we will do something on this podcast. But mainly, rumors are going to go on that subtext community. Like I said, we're not trying to break news, but those little pieces of tidbits. We will put there uh, to give them a financial backing for joining the subtext community. Thank you very much for that. Also, coming up next segment, Derek Vandy Griff is going to talk about the Texas A&M series, the 0-6 SEC Ole Miss Rebels, the field gate that happened, and it should be quite interesting. Anyway, stick around. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and, in fact, available wherever you get your podcast. You know, hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications when we release a new video, which happens quite frequently. Upvote the video. Comment down below. We'd appreciate it very much. I'm here with Derek Vandegrift for our weekly segment on the weekend baseball preview. We're going to be talking about Texas A&M. But before we get started, Derek, we kind of need to get going this weekend, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. You know, you, you start looking at the remaining series ahead. You know, we were able to get Vanderbilt and Florida out of the way the first two weekends. And, uh, you know, they're looking like maybe the two best teams in the SEC right now. Uh, but, you know, so it does technically get easier from here on out, you know, even though you got LSU coming into town later on in the year. But, uh, but yeah, we, we need to get going right now. Uh, 
you know, it's kind of a get-right series for both Ole Miss and Texas A&M, two really talented ball clubs that are just struggling right now, especially in SEC play. They're 1-5, we're 0-6, right? Um, but, yeah, just kind of, you know, going down the schedule, though, I was looking at it, we're at A&M, Arkansas at home, and at Mississippi State the next three weekends. So, you know, you, you have to take six of those games, I think. You have to come out six and three. Um, you know, if, if you're able to sweep one of those opponents, I'm looking at you, Mississippi State, and end up going seven and two over those three weekends. You know, that, that gets you to seven and eight in the league when LSU rolls into town. And, you know, you hover around that 500 range, and that's around the time we're going to end up getting Hunter Elliott back. Um, Riley Maddox appears to be on his way back. He had a he threw 100% in a bullpen session earlier this week, which was really, really good to see. Uh, and this is a team that could use two arms like them right now to, to add to this pitching staff, you know, get – Elliott back on Fridays, get Maddox back in the bullpen, and then figure out the rest of the rotation, then have arms to come out and finish some of these games. So uh, these next three weeks are crucial for this season. Uh, you know, like I said, keep taking two out of three, do that the next three weekends before LSU rolls into town, get those guys back into the rotation and the bullpen, and all of a sudden we have a shot to go ahead and save the season, make the tournament. And as we saw last year, as long as you get in the tournament, anything can happen, right? Um, so, yeah, that's one thing I'm looking for coming up. Uh, you know, big three weeks ahead for us. All right, this first weekend is going to be the Texas A&M Aggies. What do we need to know about the Aggies um, this weekend? Uh, that they are really pissed about the new rules in college baseball with this pitch clock and all. They're, they're, they don't seem to be uh, – uh, completely prepared for it. Their, their pitchers, uh, especially Nathan Detmer, the Friday guy, I was watching him last weekend. And, I mean, he, he had so much trouble in that Tennessee game getting the pitch off in time. There, there were multiple, uh, not only balls for walks, but uh, him stepping off and not going to a base multiple times resulting in balks that ended up scoring a run too. You know, that's another rule this year. If you step off twice and don't make an attempt at the runner, then it's an automatic balk, you know. He and he had one of those last weekend too. So they seem to be struggling a little bit uh, adjusting to this new 20-second pitch clock and all, um, you know. And, and it goes to the hitters too. They've they've kind of struggled with it a little bit, and you kind of see it up and down their lineup how it's affecting their play a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I said it a couple of weeks ago with Vanderbilt how much they were struggling hitting the ball. So for all you A&M hitters out there, you're welcome. Here you go. They're really struggling hitting the ball going into this weekend against Ole Miss. You know, they, they've got two really good hitters that, that are absolutely on fire so far this year. But, uh, you know, they, they've got two guys hitting over 300 in their regular lineup day in and day out with Hunter Haas and Jack Moss. Uh, two really good players, though. Uh, Haas is an Arizona State transfer. He's hitting 404 on the year with an 1115 OPS. I mean, he's just absolutely crushing the ball. Uh, he's playing shortstop, and he's playing a really good shortstop. You know, that's – kind of the theme of the SEC this year. It seems like every team has uh, a potential All-American caliber shortstop on their team. Uh, and then Jack Moss is a guy we've seen the last couple of years playing down there, you know, playing first base for him. He's had another real good year for him, hitting 347, 972 OPS. Uh, they don't hit the ball out of the park a whole lot, and hopefully that actually stands true this weekend like it did in two weeks two weeks ago right yeah. so but, but but that's one thing they haven't done a lot so hopefully they won't start this weekend uh but an incredibly talented team obviously slosh is a heck of a coach uh 
and and they've got some guys in the pitching staff too. They've kind of shook it up a little bit. We're going to end up seeing two lefties, I think. Uh, Sunday's kind of been a little bit of a roller coaster for them. They've had Chris Cortez starting on Sundays, uh, but now they're starting to put the freshman in there. He ended up starting last weekend. That was his first Sunday starting, but he's a lefty and he's he's been pretty dynamic so far. So. Uh, you know, that's, that's what we got to deal with Saturday and Sunday's two lefties, and that's something Ole Miss hasn't been able to deal with real well this year. Lefties have absolutely killed us. Yeah, and, and, and Texas A&M, basically they received a ball to, that was pitched to them inside of two minutes. That's like they're being quick pitched. So this 20-second yeah, yeah. pitch clock is probably ridiculous <laughs> yeah. for those guys. If everybody remembers when we played Texas A&M last year, it was like four-and-a-half-hour-long games. Oh, I, I mean, it, yeah, it was terrible. It's the reason these yeah. rules got put in. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that goes to the hitters, too, as much as they would step out of the box and stuff like that between pitches to kind of prolong it and everything else. I mean, it was it it gotten out of hand every time you played A&M last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let's look at the midweek game real quick before we get out of here. Uh, what midweek game? We didn't play yeah, yeah, the no contest. The My yeah, my yeah, question yeah. isn't so much about the mustard buzzards. I mean, good for them. Yeah. I mean, my question is about Trustmark Park. Mm-hmm. Because I, I grew up in the age of Smithville Stadium in Jackson. And I saw that deteriorate over time. And now I'm seeing on Twitter a whole bunch of people talking about how Trustmark, which isn't that old of a park, oh. is just deteriorating. There's like peanuts that are showing up from like last year that hasn't been cleaned up and i i that's kind of sad i think they're i think they're going to lose the m braves if that happens much more well i mean yeah they're gonna have to do something right i mean you got Mm -hmm. the braves prospects looking to play on that field literally in a week right you know Mm -hmm. i mean that's there's actually money invested into those kids there you know so uh yeah, they, they ended up resodding the field a week ago before the game, which is kind of weird. You know, any, anybody that, that is that is over the turf and stuff like that should know that you need more than a week for the sod to, to be able to take hold, right? I mean, if hmm. not, it's just sitting on top of the ground and any sort of uh, movement shift in, anything like that, uh, you know, it's, it's going to come right up, which is exactly what started happening to the Rebels and, and Southern on uh, Tuesday night. So, uh yeah, that was just really odd that they would do that, uh, especially that close to a game. And like I said, even leading up to the minor league season starting too. Uh, you know, if it was bad enough you had to resod it that fast, then it probably should have been done a long time ago to begin with. Yeah, the game that used to be the Mayor's Trophy game between Ole Miss and State became the Governor's, Governor's Cup game that moved to Trustmark whenever it did that. I think at this point we need to retire that series. And what I'm suggesting in its place is a preseason non-conference series with three teams like a tournament set down in Biloxi at the home of the Shuckers that is Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern on one side and then like Tulane, UNO, and ULL. That that is what I would do. That would be a huge event and would serve the purpose of all of this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's actually funny you say that because down there in Biloxi, home of the Shuckers, they've started – doing a tournament down there or, or, or they got one started coming up they're going to start doing a college baseball tournament down there now heard that uh earlier in the week so uh yeah I, I would certainly think the three mississippi schools would be in line to be in that and uh but yeah it'd be really cool to have you know just go state by state you know do louisiana one year with like you said Tulane and new orleans you know 
even if you wanted to throw LSU on the other side of the bracket and just do the whole non-conference thing like you usually do when it's not conference season or you play midweek like us and State do, uh, and then go over to Texas and get, you know, Texas, Rice, and Baylor or something like that, you know, just kind of hop around, do State State to come in to play the three Mississippi schools and, you know, see, see who gets bragging rights that year. I think that'd be yeah. really cool. Yeah, it could be really cool. I just think the Governor's Cup slash Mayor's Trophy – has kind of lost its meaning to where Trustmark is treating Ole Miss baseball and Southern Miss baseball, knowing a game is coming up, they're just trying to get by before the season Mm -hmm. starts. I mean, it honestly shows what they think of these in-state college baseball games, and they're just trying to get ready to hopefully be in good shape for the Embraves. Yeah, yeah, well, it doesn't look like they're going to be in too good a shape now, so we're going to have to go back and start resodding all this stuff. You know, but apparently they start happening in the first and second inning on Tuesday, and that's when the umps first got together was after the second inning because they saw the sod start coming up, and that's when they were like, hey, you know, we'll give this a little bit more time, but, you know, we'll we'll need to see, you know, if, if this keeps happening, we're going to have to get these guys off here, which is what they did. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely not upset about it. We're not in a position to – sit here and burn through nine innings of pitching when we don't need to. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take that little four-inning game. We'll take our ball and go home and, and get ready for a real baseball series coming up this weekend, one we badly need. Do you know um, where that saying, take my ball and go home, comes from? No, I don't guess so. Uh, back before baseballs were really prevalent and known, it was rare to have an actual baseball out there. So usually only one baseball existed in a group of friends. So if that friend got mad and went home with the ball, he took literally took, they had to quit playing because there yeah. wasn't another baseball. I mean, that's where that came from. Um, anyway, um, did anybody talk to Lane Burroughs after last night? We, we need to get his opinion on that situation as well. And, man, I, I bet he's got a scorching hot take just, just burning a hole in his pocket down there at La Tech right now. You know, oh, yeah. He, he is. I believe Ole Miss would do this again. So team mustard buzzards. I mean, just absolutely. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. just on the bandwagon. Okay, today is opening day. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm obviously really excited. You know, any time that uh, your professional team's going to win, a World Series, it's always an exciting year. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get this started for the Braves and get through these 162 games, go ahead and win the division again, disappoint Mets fans. Uh, I've, I've got a couple buddies that are Mets fans. They were all, all all happy with themselves last year leading into the last month of the year. And I kept telling them, I was like, guys, we've been through this. We see it every year. You know what's going to happen. And sure enough, Braves come out on top again, right? Uh, but this year, it's, it's going to be a little bit different. After we win the division, we'll actually go run through the playoffs, hopefully meet Kara's Houston Astros again, and uh, do what we did to them last time and, and just go ahead and, and win another World Series for the city of Atlanta. I, I'm fully expecting the Detroit Tigers to have a 60-game improvement in wins this year. They're going to go from 66 to 126. Most dominant team in Major League Baseball history. I'm, okay, I'm just ready for that go. to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they are really going to be a fun team to watch. So you get to see all these kids starting to come up now and actually make an impact with them from, from the draft the last few years. So uh, them and the Orioles, I think, are two really interesting teams in the American League to watch. Yeah, I had um, Scott Bentley on my show from Locked on Tigers, and he was last night, he mm-hmm. gave me a little introduction, like a 20-minute video of welcome to the Tigers type stuff. And I told him, it's was like, hey, all these pre- 
existing biases that you have. Like if Torkelson didn't hit last year, all the stuff that you were worried about, all I saw was this spring training, him knocking the cover off the ball. I had no idea about that. And it's like, hey, it's actually pretty nice to not have these biases because like in the NFL, they just assume that Tua is always going to be bad because he started slow. Mm -hmm. There's no room Mm -hmm. for change. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can go ahead and tell you, if there's anybody that's going to end up breaking out and having a big year, it would be Spencer <coughs> Torkelson. That, that guy is a sure enough hitter. He did it his entire career at Arizona State and did it throughout the minors with Detroit, you know. Uh, hitting in the major leagues is pretty hard, oddly enough. So, yeah, he did struggle a little bit, but I, I do fully anticipate him turning around and having one heck of a career up there in Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> My voice is going. <laughs> I see that. <coughs> anyway, thanks yeah, again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Base- Basketball, everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Hopefully my voice will make it through this read. Um, plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show. My voice, I can't believe it just went it's yeah. going out. Absolutely yeah. nuts. Uh, but thanks, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll, good luck to the Rebs this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Let's let's go get two. All right, I'll see you later, bud. All right, hi, Toddy. Howdy, Toddy.